Are you ready to talk some stick puck? Yeah. Yeah. Are you winning some? Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Tukey's Take podcast. We are back again. Nearly the first time in two weeks. It's been a busy time, a busy summer for the boys here, to the point where, well, Endo Mills is not here. And I was not available uh, for today's show. Uh, but that's okay, because I think he knows the majority of this show uh, is going to be me eulogizing the career of Patrice Bergeron, who, no, in fact, is not dead. He is just no longer playing a sport. Uh, but if you ask anybody in the New England area, man, it feels like we lost something today. And uh, we're going to talk about that a lot, because I have thoughts. Imagine that. But, Sin, I'm glad you're here to uh, try and reel me in from... Yeah, the Great Depression. I'm about to suffer. <laughs> How are you? This is a Great Depression time. The second Great Depression. Oh, I'm doing God. pretty good. You know, things yeah. considered. Yeah, I'm so, just uh, waiting for Carlson to be traded or something. We're gonna talk about that towards the end of the show because it still hasn't happened. I started a new franchise mode on Twitch to try and force the universe's hand into then trading Eric Carlson so my franchise would be screwed up still hasn't happened. I don't think I don't think anything can make it happen. I think we could be threatened with any with anything. You know, the, I'll, I'll start yeah. my franchise mode soon and then he'll be traded. So ah, it's got it's got to happen to one of us. I was going to say the aliens could descend and say trade Eric Carlson or we destroy Earth. And Mike and I don't think like, the Earth would make it. <laughs> Mike Greer would be like, what's the return though? Yeah, <laughs> got to get proper return for this. I'm not getting <laughs> yeah. robbed on this trade. I don't think so. Oh, God. All right. So as, as we get things going, of course, want to mention right off the top, because again, like I said, it's going to be a lot of Patrice Bergeron talk. Uh, this show, as always, is brought to you by our lovely friends at Manscaped.com. You can use code Tugi. That's T-O-U-G-I-E for 20% off your order and free shipping. Again, Manscaped.com. The peak, the pinnacle, the best, the Patrice Bergeron of men's grooming. Manscaped.com. It's actually two-way grooming. Women, you can use their products as well. They work very good. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we were going to have viewer questions today. uh, But given the very first question that was asked was, fuck, Mary kill Colonel Sanders, Ronald McDonald, or the Burger King. Uh, I I think we should just move on to actually talking about hockey. Unless you have an answer. Yeah, of course I have an answer. All right, well, I'm intrigued. Um, so you'd marry the king. Everyone <laughs> needs a king to take care of him. Oh, <laughs> uh, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, you'd kill Colonel Sanders. He's old anyway. He's old and probably Ooh, racist. But then, mm, yeah, that's fair. but that maybe you go full Anna Nicole Smith. And marry a dude who is hardly mm. living anyway for the money. Get that money. That's 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 you know that's a good point. Mm. But the king would take care of you. He, he's giving you a monthly fucking stipend, man. Let's be real. Um, and you fuck Ronald McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> Just because. Because you got you got to fuck someone in heavy makeup every now and then. <laughs> 
Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta just sow <sighs> some of your wild oats. You gotta have a regrettable experience, or else you're not really living. I miss the show. <laughs> you know, wake up in the morning like, fuck, what was that clown made of? <laughs> you know, you have the same regret you do after you eat a McDonald's meal. Because uh, it's more, more shameful to, to eat the burger or fuck the mascot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we, uh, we have fun here. We do. We, we kind of talked about that a little bit. It's like, so what is this show? At this point, especially in the summer, what are we going to look like heading in the next? I don't know. I don't know what the show is anymore. And it's fine because we uh, we have fun here, except for a day like today. As we learn that Milan Lucic will somehow play a game more recently for the Boston Bruins than Patrice Bergeron. I think uh, that's why he retired. He's like, I don't want that dude back. Fuck this. <laughs> What do you mean I won't be the most handsome person on the team anymore? Um, God damn it. So, I'll I'll say this, right? 38 years old. One hell of a career. Again, he's not dead. He just stopped playing a sport for a living. Um, The departures and subsequent retirements of Tom Brady and Zidane Chara helped prep me for this a little bit more. I think had those two not happened... And this happens to lead it off. This this would have been the real rough kind of moment as a Boston sports fan in terms of the idea of, oh, era's coming to an end. We could leave this entire segment. Like, this could be five seconds. Future, first ballot Hall of Famer. Bam, let's talk about something else. We could... Leave it at that. And I'd like to think that's not me just being a Bruins homer. He is, though, and this is where people could call me a Bruins homer, the greatest defensive forward in the history of the NHL. That is a fact to me. It's hard to argue at least. With that. A 12-time finalist for the Selkie. Six-time winner. Yeah. We've joked about it forever. The award should be named after him, and I think it will be. They did probably, because I probably hyphenate it, like Selkie Bergeron. Ber- yeah. Mm, I, I, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. It's funny, though, because, you know, again, I, it wouldn't be disrespectful to Frank J. Selkie. He didn't even because play. <laughs> he wasn't a player, though. <laughs> like, he wasn't. He was a Hall of Fame general manager. Like, dude, he was a nine-time Stanley Cup champion. I can see why you would want an award named after Frank Selke. But at the same time, it doesn't really fit. Like, you have Executive of the Year awards, GM of the Year awards. No disrespect yeah. to Jim Gregory, but, you know, it's it, it's better suited. It would almost be like the, oh, God, what, what would even be a comparison? The Tuka Rask forward of the year <laughs> goes to Ryan Getzloff. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it just doesn't... It just doesn't make sense. Um, God, I it, this sucks. That that's what this yeah. is for me. Gonna, like this sucks. There's gonna be so much pushback over changing it, even though they should, just because uh-huh. hockey hates any form of change ever. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. I, I I honestly don't think it'll happen, but I do think that it it'll should happen after he dies, maybe. 
like as sad as that yeah. is and sorry <laughs> but like i don't know yeah hockey's shit in that way it is it is um what's funny though is while, the go ahead oh i was just gonna say while we're on the subject of you know greatest defensive forward in the nhl history um i think there are some others who definitely deserve shouts it's a hard mm-hmm. thing to gauge. I would not disagree that he's the best uh, defensive forward in the NHL, but there's some other who was really good. I think people forget how fucking good Rod Brindamore was as an offensive mm-hmm. centerman. He was mm-hmm. like absolutely incredible. Uh, Pavel Datsuk, everyone remembers his deeks. He was a ridiculous defensive center. Like he was so good, yeah. so slick. He would lift your stick from behind, take it and go the other way and, and work some magic. Like, and those are a couple that I could think of off the top of my head, but Kings fans will shout Kopitar. from the rooftops about Anze Kopitar, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, honestly, I do think if there was a claim of Western bias in terms of not getting the respect they deserve, Anze Kopitar. At the same time, I do think it is a legitimate shout to say that in every sport there are great players who don't get the acknowledgement that they deserve and that they would have if one person didn't exist. Like if it wasn't for Patrice Bergeron, Anze Kopitar, Mark Stone, players like this would have numerous Selkies, I would say. It's just unfortunately for them, their careers lined up with Patrice Bergeron's. Um, Bob Gainey as well. He is the guy um, that Bergeron kind of usurped. He was a four-time winner of the Selkie Trophy. Uh, four consecutive years, 78 to 81, uh, and is also a Hockey Hall of Famer inducted in 1992 uh, that most people look at in that that conversation. There are obviously plenty of others, but um, yeah, you know, just the fact that at least at least for me in this conversation, regardless of whether or not you think Bergeron is, he is in that class and in that conversation with the incredible talent that was also named, which says a whole hell of a lot. Even if you don't think he's the very best, he is in that yeah. conversation. Uh, in terms of his resume continued, I mean, obviously there'll be a lot about the the leadership. He won a Messier leadership award. I mean, he was a, a letterman for the Bruins since 2006, 2007, captain of the team for the last three seasons. Um, and again, for a second round pick, it's funny because at the time, you know, I, I don't want to say it's like a direct comparison with like Tom Brady in a sense, because obviously sixth round pick versus second round pick. Um, but Bergeron was very quickly looked at as the guy that has to step into the shoes of Joe Thornton. Like, immediately upon that Joe Thornton trade, it was a second-round center where it's like, well, what can this kid be? Uh, Reason for that is a lot of people forget uh, 2005 World Juniors. He was the MVP for gold medal Canada. Not the last time he would win gold with Canada, 2010 and 2014 at the Olympics. Um, It's just crazy how, you know, you can look back after that trade, it's like, okay, well, the Bruins have David Krejci, they have Phil Kessel, but I feel like for the most part, it was immediately the second Joe Thornton was traded, it's, hey, Bergeron's got to be the guy, and that is immense pressure to live up to when that Thornton trade was highly 
highly criticized right at the gates, as it should have been. It aged the horribly, too. It was bad when it happened, and it aged worse. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Because <sighs> who was, time. I always forget the third guy, but I remember that it was uh, Wayne, <laughs> Wayne Primo. Marco Sturm, who, to be yep. fair, was a solid goal scorer he was, type. He was good. Who the fuck was the other one? It wasn't Brad Tom Stewart. Pricing. Was it Brad Stewart? Brad Stewart, and within solid. a year or two tops, he was in Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Like He was he was still a good defenseman at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, my goodness, what Thornton became for the Sharks was... Phew. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about Joe in a second, actually, because I, uh, I saw something on Twitter earlier um, regarding you, actually. Um, but you know, all the talk about like the leadership qualities as well of, of Patrice Bergeron, uh, a former Clancy winner. The thing that stands out a lot of clips shared today on Twitter, on Reddit, um, even of like the past season or two, um, you know, the the clip circulating of him lining up on a face off with Tage Thompson and asking Tage Thompson, like his wife was going through a, a health issue and asking about that. The way that he handled the Bruins locker room after the Kyle Beach story broke, where it was his call to sit down and watch the full Kyle Beach interview and have the entire room talk about it. Just like the nickname of St. Patrice is out there for a reason. I mean, it's a it's a gem of a player, but an even bigger gem of a person. He is one of four players in Bruins franchise history to score at least a thousand points. He passed Phil Esposito, who had 1,012 earlier on this season um, to hit the mark of 1040 in his career. 1,040 points. Only trails Ray Bork at an absurd 1,506. Jesus. And the chief Johnny Busick at 1,339. Bergeron also only trails those two in games played as a Bruin, and it's it's those latter three and Bobby Orr that are on the Bruins' Mount Rushmore. I mean, really, like as much as I'd love to uh, throw Zdeno Chara on there, um, you know, I don't think you can get away with not putting Bobby Orr on a Mount Rushmore, but that just shows kind of the company that Patrice Bergeron has. Uh, also third all-time in scoring behind only Busick and Phil Esposito. Like, it's just, you look at the Bruins' record books, he is up there in what you would expect him to be up there for. And one of the biggest conversations and talking points today about Bergeron has been 2011. One, Stanley Cup. He scored the cup-clinching goal in Vancouver in Game 7. But it's bittersweet. And I saw you respond to somebody on Twitter, Sin, essentially saying, like, the prevailing thought from Bruins fans is thank God for 2011 but at the same time haunted is the only way to describe this fan base over the past decade because of 2013 losing to a juggernaut Chicago team in six on your home ice 17 seconds they should have at least forced game seven they took their foot off the gas and Chicago killed them for it Rightfully so. You can't take anything away from Chicago, but that's a thought where it's like, if that goes seven, could that have been cup number two for Bergeron, for Chara, etc. Then 2019 happens. 
Game 7, home ice. St. Louis, 4-1. If I'm not mistaken, that was the final Pooped score. On. I tried to forget that, that seventh game, but they just completely laid an egg on home ice, and that was the thought, too, of like, okay, 2013 probably should have happened. 2019 was this the last chance, and then this season happens. Best regular season team of all time, and they lose in the opening round, and that's how Patrice Bergeron's career ends, and I said on this show once that happens you know it it's a shame if that is how his career ends and now we know that yeah that is the case with the team failing to live up to their potential yet again i am still and probably will, will forever be a little bit salty and hostile towards jim montgomery uh, because he got it wrong at the worst possible time playing an injured lena Salmark. i mean shit even bergeron was hurt you could argue whether or not he should have been in there was another major injury, if I'm not mistaken, and I can't quite remember. But at the same time, they did win. And that was kind of your point is, you know, you got to see your favorite players of an era come and go. And they didn't even get the one. Yeah. Not to rub it in. <laughs> no, no, that's you're exactly right. Like, that's all I ever like wanted i wanted that so bad and like the big mm. chance was 2016 and that you just had the feeling like this is it and it was i mean we had a kind of close chance in 2019 losing in the conference finals to the fucking yeah. headshot and blues but um, who knows hey hey same yeah <laughs> yeah same. like I, I don't think we beat boston though if we get to the cup finals that that season though uh who knows but again who knows it's so hard to predict things matchups are mm. weird in the sense um, there's so much rock, paper, scissors type things that go into different teams and how they play against other teams and things like that. But I remember we had so much issues with the Bruins every time we played them. Um, but yeah, 2016 was the big chance and it's fucking Crosby and the Penguins mm -hmm. St at the t still prime fucking Crosby, prime Malkin and an absurd Penguins team that was just so fast and they played they played a different game. Like, I, I just feel like they played such a different game than anyone else, and no one else could keep up and handle it. Like, they not only had that speed and skill, but they had the drive and determination to actually win. Yeah. Now we're so, both bummed out. <laughs> yeah, looking back on that, it's like, yeah, you knew that was the chance because both Thornton and Marlowe at the time were in their mid 30s. It's yeah. like, that's, this is it. And yeah. Overall, in regards to Bergeron's retirement, the response around the league is 99 to 1 positive. You are seeing posts from fellow, uh, you know, former teammates, uh, either from this past season or a little bit further down the road. Um, you are seeing posts from teams, rival teams especially, Montreal. Uh, Sidney Crosby released a statement that the Penguins Twitter put out. It's a 99 to 1 ratio in terms of positive, that 1% being the um actuallys who have to go out of their way to try and be like, no, he wasn't that good. Um, which is funny because the biggest example of that is probably Mark Madden, uh, who is a, a Pittsburgh guy. Um, and the, the parallels of Patrice Bergeron and Sidney Crosby almost having their careers ended at a very young age are eerily similar, but... You know, I get it. Someone retires and you can't let them have their roses. You got to be like, yeah, he was good. Our guy's better, though. That's just how some people are going to be, unfortunately. Um, 
that would be like when Sidney Crosby retires. It's like, yeah, but Wayne Gretzky, though, you know, he wasn't quite Wayne Gretzky, though. It's like, yeah. he was fucking Sidney Crosby. He didn't have to be Wayne Gretzky. And Patrice Bergeron didn't have to be Sidney Crosby. It's fucking Patrice Bergeron. Um, yeah. But again, you know, the, most of that's probably for clicks engagement and getting their name out there. So, hey, it's, you know, succeeded in that regard. Um, and the real funny thing to me, though, is that if he didn't retire, he was a UFA. If he left the Bruins this offseason and signed with any of the other 31 teams, all 31 fan bases would have been jacked. Oh, absolutely. Because he did <laughs> not leave as a, a shell of his former self. He still left as a very, very useful player, a very strong player. Yeah. Uh, so I just I just find that funny in a sense. And it, again, that's also the bittersweet nature of it, because you're happy for the guy to leave the game on his terms. He's got a family um, and he gets to walk away from the game rather than being kicked out of it, which, you know, some players don't go down that path. And it gets kind of sad to watch them just turn into shells of their former selves. Um it, it really, like, it's just one of those things where, like I said, bittersweet's the perfect word, but in terms of what he meant to that Bruins franchise, like, he such just a huge part of that of that organization, and going forward, I'm sure he still will be, too. Um, there are at least two Jersey retirement ceremonies in the next five years at TD Garden. It'll be for Zidane Chara and Patrice Bergeron, and... Uh, it was up to me you had Tuka Rask as a guarantee to that among others I mean Jesus you know Brad Marchand still an active player I wouldn't be surprised if he got his number retired in the next 10 years or so once his career is done that said you know I can wax poetic about Patrice Bergeron all day um, my favorite player of all time by by the end of it you know I had whenever people would ask me that on Twitch it's like oh who's your favorite player at this point like growing up it was Ray Bork because my dad you know, kneeled at the altar of Ray Bork. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, for me, it's like, okay, as I grow up, who is that player in, in my formative years? And, you know, from a Bruins perspective, it was Joe Thornton. And then Joe Thornton gets traded when I'm 11 years old. And it's like, well, now who's now who's the guy? Yep. And that's where Bergeron steps in. And then, of course, they bring in guys like Chara and Mark Savard and such but yeah like i said uh, the brady chara departures and retirements help a lot i am so fucking thankful i don't have to see him wear another team's uniform though holy hell like the that fact that he weird. stayed a lifelong bruin you know the only way it wouldn't have hurt is if he went to the habs but at the same time he wasn't a habs fan he was a nordiques fan so it wouldn't have even been like ah he's going home it's not like he was going to go to his childhood team it's not like he had montreal bed sheets um <laughs> But the nature of this news, on the flip side of the coin, you have what this means now for the Bruins. Fuck is <laughs> the first word that comes to mind because I can't be overly optimistic right now for what it means because that is someone skates who how the hell do you fill them 
right now, Cap Friendly has, as of July 12th, so it's a little bit out of date, I'm sure, they have this as the Boston Bruins depth chart. Top line, Brad Marchand, David Posternock, Pavel Zaka as the center. Who did have a very good season for the Bruins last year, 57 points. You know, former, what, sixth? Uh, he was a sixth overall pick, by the way, in 20, wow. 2015. Yeah, he, he was taken uh, three spots ahead of Timo Meyer. Uh, and Miko Rantanen was 10th. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't remember that. Yeah. Zaka had a great season last year. Do I expect him, coming off of a career season, to be able to jump from middle six to being that top-line guy? It's it's scary. It's an unknown. Maybe. You know, I mean, shit, it's tough to imagine someone not doing well next to Brad Marchand and David Posternock. The second line... Again, Cap Friendly could be wrong. Don't shoot the messenger. James Van Riemsdyk, Charlie Coyle, and Jake DeBrusque. You got JVR, I forgot. Yeah, for one year, one million. At 34 years old. Who was the middle? Sorry. Charlie Coyle. Oh, yeah, because there's no Krejci guarantee. Mm-hmm. That's the other X factor is David Krejci. Yeah, um, you need a 1C because it's really good if Coyle and... Uh, and Zaka are the two or three C's. Like, uh-huh. that's really good. But yeah. you need a one C. They need to be all in on someone like Mark Shifley. Is he a free agent? Uh, he or has trade-offs. one year left with the Jets. Ah. Yeah, uh, you can get uh, Tomas Hurdle instead. I fucking wish. Um, yeah, Shifley has one year left. At 6125, 30 years old. Another name that's out there, Elias Lindholm for the Calgary Flames, and not knowing quite what they're going to be looking to do. Uh, he is also a pending UFA after this upcoming season. He's making just under $5 million bucks at 28. So no matter what, it's going to be some kind of trade that you need to do because the free agency market was already barren. Yeah, right now, in terms of free agents, and allow me to uh, get the list up there. Uh, uh, you know, honestly, I wanna I wanna sort this because RFA is fucking irrelevant because nobody ever offer sheets anybody. No. Um, but Trevor Zegras is currently out there as an unsigned center who could be offer sheeted. That's not gonna happen because the NHL is silly. Uh, but in terms of UFA, is the highest scoring center who is currently a UFA from last season is David Krejci. <laughs> Second is Jonathan Taves, and third is Eric Stahl. They essentially have to look if they are going to try to improve this team down the middle. They do have to look uh, from the outside in. Uh, the other two centers right now, third line listed is Morgan Geeky, uh, who, of course, was a UFA. They signed him. He played with the Kraken last year. He got two years, two million. And then Patrick Brown, who has been a fringe NHLer, formerly with the Flyers, played somewhere else, too. Um, to your point, if you can shift Zaka down to second line, coil to third line, Geeky to fourth, you're looking good. Even if whoever you get isn't quite Patrice Bergeron, 
it looks a lot better because the defense is still really solid. Uh, right now, penciled in as Grizzlick, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, Forbert, and Shattenkirk, Allmark, and Swayman. Uh, granted, Swayman is still currently an RFA, uh, but Allmark and Swayman are still there as the goaltenders. Um, it would make you think that a trade would be necessary to move out somebody like maybe even a Derek Forbert make it $3 million on the third pair. Another X factor is that uh, David Posternock's new extension kicks in. You remember how much he's getting paid? Uh, 11? Yep, 11 and a quarter. Hmm. So their cap situation is a little bit interesting. But yeah, I don't think you could really look to be like, oh yeah, Oscar Steen, Mark McLaughlin, John Beecher. Like, they're going to step up. It's just not, that's not going to happen. Hmm. So... Yeah, I, I'm definitely intrigued to see if there is somebody they can go out and get. I mean, free agents next season, Austin Matthews, which I think everyone still expects him to stay in Toronto. Plus, he's uh, going to be asking for so much money. Yeah, I don't think market. you could afford Matthews no. and Pasta at the same time. I don't think no, you could. you can't. Or else, Stam- unless you want to become Toronto and you don't want to become <laughs> Toronto. Steven Stamkos, but he is currently 34, so he'll be 35 when he hits the open market. If he hits the open market, that's not the solution. And then there's Mark Scheifele, uh, Sebastian Ajo. His deal will be up at the end of next season. He'll be a UFA. Uh, and then Elias Lindholm. I mean, you're, you're kind of looking at the only real solutions coming down the pipeline, unless you want to, I mean, again, like Matthew Shane or I mean, Matthew Shane's 33. It really is like, okay, either you're fully confident in the guys that you have, or it is going to be a trade for someone like Mark Shifley or Elias Lindholm to try and bolster up that center depth. Um, it's, it's a really, really weird spot for them to be in moving forward, especially like you said too, like David Krejci's not there. It's a little bit scary. And the last kind of thing to note is who's the next captain? And a lot of people have have speculated about that. Obviously, Brad Marchand's name has been thrown out there. I hate to say it. Brad Marchand's 35 years old. He would be be another. He'd be exactly. He's another short term option. There's David Posternock at 27, but he doesn't strike me as a captain guy. I don't know why. Right. Right. It kind of, yeah. I mean, how often is it that the, like, Patrick Kane was never the captain in Chicago? Um, Especially think, because Pasternak, um, I didn't really like his playoff effort um, at times. <laughs> like, he, he used to get a little fucking, he, he, he would start getting all pissy when his shots were, weren't going in and stuff like mm. that. And that's not to say, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, hey, body about language him, is a thing. It is. Yeah, like there's something about him that struck me as just not a captain. Like when I think about him, like he's just not a captain. Same way that it's Patrick Kane is just not a fucking captain, obviously. Um, or who else? I don't know. There's there's probably some other good examples. But yeah, like it was just there's some things like that. And whereas I could see Marshawn being a, being a captain, but like you said, he's 35 because, yeah. dude, that guy was a beast in the playoffs. And he he's still such a good player but to me i think it's i think if you're looking to take the bruins team in this new direction you got to give it to mcavoy he's he's the guy he is i mean he signed through 2030 at nine and a half million dollars i mean 
that's the guy. 100%. Yeah, he's so good. Like, he's just like such a two-way beast. Like, yeah, give it, yeah, give it to another two-way beast. This time a defenseman, Macklemore. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it has to be him. And it's funny because you can look and you know the the NHL. It's a little bit hit or miss right now in terms of like, okay, is the most skilled guy the captain? It's a little bit more hit or miss than I I would have thought. Um, yeah. Like Buffalo has like Kyle Pozo. Obviously not the most skilled player on the Sabres. It's going to be this Tuck point. after him, too. And he's not the most skilled player there. Right, exactly. At least it should be Tuck. It should, um, if it isn't Tuck, what the hell are they doing? I know. Uh, Carolina has Jordan Stahl. Colorado, uh, their captain is still officially Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, you could argue whether or not it'll get moved to Nathan McKinnon because Landeskog's oh, career is perhaps in je- you know jeopardy. Uh, Columbus's captain, Boone Jenner. Still? Uh, yeah, <laughs> forgot he's still playing, man. Holy shit! Um, but yeah, then you have like okay, Connor McDavid's a captain. Um, Steven Stamkos, Ovechkin, um, <laughs> the Rangers captain is Jacob Truba. <laughs> oh God! Oh Truba! <laughs> oh Jacob Truba! Um, yeah, to, to, like I said, I could keep going about this. Today's just a really fucking weird day, and you know, I feel like most fan bases, every fan base, has this moment where. It is a legendary player for their franchise, and sometimes, sometimes not. There's the crossover as to whether or not they're also going to be viewed as a legendary player in the NHL. And again, for me, Patrice Bergeron is a Hall of Famer. There's no uh, frustration towards him about not coming back for one more season. I mentioned the idea, dude, his career could have been ended so, so much sooner. Um, And it, it is that kind of idea of like, like I said, uh, the Crosbys, the Bergerons, these guys have had major, major injury scares. And it's it's more of a thankfulness to know that they were able to bounce back and still kind of hit those peaks mm-hmm. respectively. And I actually wonder how much like his past injuries went into his decision here. Because, you know, like you said, he can clearly play and still play yeah. at a high level. Like at worst, he's a 2C. Like, that's how good he still is, in my opinion. And, yeah, yeah, I think, think, you know, maybe some of his injury passed and he just wants to, you know, have the best quality of life going forward. He just seems to be such a really, like, obviously a great person, but he he seems to be very much in tune with, like, himself. Mm. Because that's what it takes to be, like, a good person and actually look to help people and, and things like that, as he clearly has. Like, he's clearly very in touch with himself and introspective. Otherwise, you know, he doesn't ask about people's families. He doesn't sit people down to watch the Kyle Beach interview. And he's not as good of a person if you don't look at yourself first before the world around you. So, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, again, you know, four four kids at home. It's the oh, idea of... Jesus, he has four? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's one of those things, too, where it's like he'll, come, you know, out, you he'll see... come out of retirement like Brady. Fuck, it's too tiring. <laughs> oh, Get God, I have to spend kids. that much time with them. But no, I mean, it's just one of those things, too, right? Like, you, especially, too, in hockey, we've obviously had these conversations about players hanging on for too long and what they've had to do to themselves to, to chase the dream and to hang on yeah. and. You know, these players see these stories. And for some of them, the juice is still worth the squeeze. But for him at this point, it wasn't. And I'm sure, you know, he's he's had his long list yeah. of injuries. But it it's, still feels like at this point, obviously, we don't know his full freaking medical history. But at this point, he should still have the, the health 
to be able to be a dad in the way that he wants to be a dad, as opposed to being another one of these stories of a former hockey player where it's like, yeah, I can barely play with my kids because I'm so broken yeah. down. And but that jump. Would... Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's okay. It just, it, and that, that would suck, obviously. Yeah. Like Jumbo played into his 40s. But when you think back, he never, ever had a concussion in his career that I can think of. Um, the only major injury that he ever had were like to his knees. And while, yes, those are scary, like speed was never a huge part of his game either. So it's like he didn't necessarily. I mean, you think back to the Bergeron thing, punctured lungs and shit uh-huh. like, holy crap. Like there are some intense injuries for him. So, you know, like, people can't try to compare it to someone like that or someone else who played into their 40s, like a Yager or something like that. Like Yager's a fucking machine and you're pretty sure he's single wasn't or at least yeah. kidless is he, he probably still kidless? Yeah. i don't even know yeah, he's but not yeah. married so. no he's he he he's he was one of those weird savants where he had one fucking thing they cared about like you know there's it's different people gotta understand it's different you know everyone's different in, in in a variety of ways when it comes to the physical you know variables or the you know the life variables you know, you you mentioned the injuries for Bergeron. I mean, again, like he was out with a herniated disc in his back um, for a portion of the, the series against the Panthers that, again, he sustained that injury in the final game of the season against Montreal, and people were pissed. It's, oh, why did he play? Why did he risk it? But, again, he, he played so that his dad could see him play because his dad – that's that's probably another factor as well. Like his dad hasn't been in great health. Um but yeah, you, you mentioned the punctured lung, the game six, 2013 final. He played through a punctured lung, separated shoulder, had a broken rib and a broken nose, and still fucking played in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, that's that's crazy. It is. It's like on one hand, you don't want to sit there and praise that too much because that's kind of the idea of like, Jesus Christ, when's enough enough? And how injured do you have to be before the next guy in the lineup is actually better than you? But at the same time, it's that toughness that, you know, makes him memorable. So, again, I could sit here and talk about Patrice Bergeron for another six hours. Um, very intrigued to see what the future has for the Boston Bruins. And for I am, Patrice too. Do they have their Bruins. first next year? <laughs> Just in case. Dude, God, do they even have their own first next year? I That's think what I'm they saying. do. I, I know they didn't have it this season. The, right? Oh, God, they don't have their first next year. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, you need to you need to do something. You need that's yeah, right because if yeah, you miss the playoffs, that's gonna hurt. Fuck, Detroit has it because of the Tyler Bertuzzi trade. Ooh, and then there's there's something in regards to that as well, where I think there's another condition on it. It could end up with Detroit or Boston or someone else or some shit like that. But yeah, that could make um, a Shifley trade a little bit more difficult when this year, 2024, they don't have a pick until the fourth round. Yep, that's tough. It's been a good era, everybody. I'm going to remain somewhat era. optimistic. I can interest of... you in a Logan Couture. And all it'll cost you is Swayman and that <laughs> center prospect kid you got. <laughs> Honestly, I, shit, I, I'd almost be down for it. Just fucking go for it one more time. Why the hell not? I'm here for it. Go until the wheels fall off and Pasternak. I want to see because you're on a good team again before he's too old. Well, he should have been on a good team in the first place, but the Bruins took Zach goddamn Hamill instead. <laughs> hey, there you he go. Was a, he was on a great team until the last couple of years. How dare you? For those playing Tukey's Take Podcast Bingo at home, 
We have mentioned the 2007 draft. I will not mention the one from a few years later, though. I won't. I'll reference it, but I won't mention it. Have we talked With about that. Kyle Connor recently? <laughs> Speaking of Mark Shifley. God. You know, what's, you know what's bad when I'm having to be like, yeah, he might be a locker room cancer, but come on down, Mark Shifley, or God damn it, it's going to be a bad season. Oh. Oof. So with that, a couple of quick things, and then there were some other ones that I kind of left off that we could talk about or not. Like Bruins-wise, for example, like you know, in the, in the past almost two weeks since our last show, it was also like, hey, uh, yeah, they're not attached to Mitch Miller anymore. But apparently yeah, but they're that paying was... paying him to stay home. Yeah, that was decided in a February settlement that he wasn't with the team anymore. So, I mean, what more can I say about that? Like, it was, yeah, I think people know our thoughts and my thoughts, especially as a Bruins fan, in regards to that bullshit that Don Sweeney pulled. Um, there was, at the end of the last show, we talked about uh, the kind of breaking news about Alex Galchenyuk. And I mentioned at the end of that show, like, can we please reserve judgment here? And indeed, Subsequently, he you know released a statement. He has entered the player assistance program. He apologized to you know the officers involved in the incident. He and I said this on Twitter, and someone's just like, "Oh, just because you said wait and no, doesn't excuse his actions." No, it doesn't. And I don't think we ever said that. You're still responsible for your actions, but at the same time, I kind of said it at the time nobody is in a proper mental state if they're threatening to end, to end someone's bloodline. No. You use the term, I'm going to end your bloodline, you are not mentally well. And again, the line between responsibility versus being mentally unwell, where that line is differs from person to person, their experiences, their thoughts on things. Um, I hope he gets the help that he needs because it's very clear that he needs a lot of help. Yeah. So wanted to I'll throw that yes. out there as a follow-up. I don't, I don't I, but I, I don't give him a full pass because no, he, no, he, he, he was he well no like beyond like um I just want to throw this out there and I know you were never implying at any point but yes he's getting help he needs clearly he does have mental issues the racism was not a mental issue though that is yeah racism yeah, no, I agree yeah so let's let's not confuse what we mean about uh, him getting mental help because racism is not a mental fucking illness. I completely agree with that. You know, definitely yeah. far from excusing that. It is just the idea, though, of, again, the, that line between... Like, again, I'm not saying he's a good person. I don't believe that he is. But you can't not look at this incident and say, boy, you hope that person gets some help. Because yeah. right now, where he is as a person, he is a piece of trash. <laughs> Yeah. But it's clear that he can be better, and hopefully this is the start of him being better in more ways than one. Let's hope so. Is how I phrase things. I also feel like he never had a chance, because his fucking dad. <laughs> that's, that's the whole conversation a lot of people have kind of mentioned. Like, he's, he's, yeah. got, a, he's got a Paul Marner in his life. So, there's, uh, there's that. Wanted to mention a couple of things. Uh, the Calgary Flames announced that they are retiring Mika Kippersoff's number 34. This came out of nowhere, season. by the way. I was so shocked. I'm like, okay, why now? <laughs> Just in time for the anniversary of parallax scrolling and whether or not the puck was actually in the net. Um, 
I, I can't disagree with it. I mean, Mika Kippersoff, no, I mean, like, when I think of Calgary Flames goaltenders, that's the guy. I mean, at least from my era, you know, if you go before then, uh, you would probably be talking about someone He'll like Mike Burnham. be a shark to me. <laughs> Sharks legend, Mika, Mika Kippersoff. If getting to Bakov's backup. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Oh, God the damn. Business. What the hell happened to Sharks goaltending, dude? In the span of, like, five years we had Mika Kiprusov, Yevgeny Nabokov, a good Vesa Toskala. Mm. And now we have nothing. <laughs> We've gone on to Niemi Martin Jones. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny because shout out to Hockey Reference. They have a list of, of Sharks goalies. Uh, anyone who's ever played a game for the Sharks, even if it's as little as one as Jason Mazzotti played just one game in 1998. Is. Yeah, that's um, why. To your point, you know, in the '90s, they got a solid amount of games out of uh, Latvian legend Arthur's Urbe, and then you transition to Mike Vernon towards the end of his career, but he was still solid. Mm-hmm. Steve Shields played a lot of games. He was solid too. And then, yeah, Kiprasov played 47 games for the Sharks. Oh my God, that's the Toscala. And then of getting the Bokoffs there. And then you had guys like Antero Nidimaki, Thomas Grice, Auntie Niemi was there for a long time. Alex so it Stalock. really kind of did go from like Vernon and Shields to Nabokov to Niemi, then Martin Jones. And now since it's been all over the place. <laughs> Nabby was the peak and then came the descent. Niemi wasn't horrible. Like he wasn't horrible when we and when Martin Jones started to be shit. I was like, oh my god, I miss Niemi. Uh, like that's how that was. <laughs> so it's funny because Niemi, uh, two hundred ninety six games played for the Sharks, nine seventeen save percentage. Yeah, that's a shark. Just, he was very good. It, yeah, he was just extremely inconsistent. And flopped out of his fucking nut all the time. It gave me anxiety. Uh, anyway, Mika Kiprasov. <laughs> yeah, another Finn. Let's go. Another fantastic Finn. Fifth round pick of the Sharks in 95. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, again, for me, when I think of Calgary Flames goaltenders, it's it's Kipper. And I mean, yeah. he was, he had some fucking phenomenal years, man. Uh, 03, 04 for the Flames. 38 games, had a 9.33 save percentage. Uh, post-lockout year, 05, 06, had a 9.23. And also had a 9.20 save percentage in 2009-2010, and then his second-to-last season in the NHL had a 9-21 in 70 games played. <laughs> that can't be the amount of games started, I can't imagine, although who knows who Calgary had as their backup that year. But, uh, yeah, he should be viewed as a, as a Calgary Flames legend, and it's cool to see him get his number retired. He is one of going to be one of just four Flames, though, to have their number retired. Lanny McDonald's number 9, Jerome McGinley's number 12, and Mike Vernon's number 30. Um, weirdly, Al McKinnis and Joe Neuendijk only have honored numbers. Hmm. I would hate that if I was a fan of that team. Why the idea <laughs> of we're not going to retire your number, but we're going to say, hey, when you think about the number two, we'll you, you think a strongly about- worded letter. Like, to me, it would just be so stupid of, like, yeah, here's Bobby Orr. We're going to honor his number, but another Bruin can wear the number four right now. 
just wouldn't sit right to me. Like the idea of like, oh, hey, number 12 for the Calgary Flames, Derek Ryan. Like, hmm, <laughs> hmm, I don't know about that one. Um, <laughs> Kevin Shattenkirk, he's going to go from Shat Deuces to Chat 77. No, it's just, I, I don't know. I don't know. And Calgary's not the only team to do that. I just think it's shit. Yeah, but just if you're, if you're going to have a number off limits and in like in any sort of way, just actually make it off limits. Like, I don't I don't understand that. Like the whole Vancouver thing, this thing, just make it official. If it's if it's going to yeah. like be so weird, I don't know. The other thing to mention about Calgary is the fact that we just passed the one year anniversary of the Matthew Kachuk trade and one year on. I still think it's too early to declare a winner, but Florida's certainly winning. <laughs> Having gotten Matthew Kachuk going to the Stanley Cup final. Sure. But I don't think it's an impossible scenario for Calgary to still spin this into something positive. And I honestly don't even think they lost simply because Kachuk wasn't going to play there. Like, I think people are yeah. forgetting the fact that Kachuk was literally demanding his way out of Canada. Yeah. Much less just off that team. Like... Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was uh, he was going to be an RFA this offseason. Had they actually no, it was last year, yeah, because it was the first year. Yeah, he he was an RFA and was just outright yeah. refusing to play. <laughs> yeah. So, so like they got a fucking great return for him. Like uh, yeah. like in situations like this, I think it's hard to declare a winner or loser because in a way they're always going to kind of lose because you lose Kachuk. Like they got that pretty fucking good return. It didn't go the the way that they thought it would that first year. Huberto is still a really good player. And so is Wegar. Hmm. I think it could still work out for both sides, but it is funny yeah. year on just how well yeah. it went for the Florida Panthers. It's exact yeah, it was it was exactly kind of how the Carlson trade went. Because everyone's like, at first, oh man, why'd why'd Florida give up both, you know, Huberto and Wegar? Jesus. Same with Carlson. Oh, my God. The Sharks fleeced Ottawa. One year later, they get Stutzel with the third overall pick and stuff like that. And everyone's like, oh, Ottawa totally fleeced them. And that's been the narrative ever since. It's like, fucking hell. Wait. Shouldn't this? Yeah, this shouldn't just be like reserve judgment. This should be a lesson in reserving judgment. But people don't like to do that. (laughs) They very much don't. No, it's whatever Um, the narrative is, is going to get me clicks and engagement on Twitter. So speaking of clicks and engagement, I'm not calling it anything else. It's Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the San Jose Sharks. Eric Carlson confirmed in a report uh, with the Swedish outlet that he has spoken to four specific teams. Pittsburgh, Carolina, Toronto, and Seattle. Now, obviously, we kind of joked about Mike Greer wanting to make sure he gets the best return in this particular trade. No kidding. But I wanted to kind of talk about these four teams in particular and, you know, kind of what that return could be. Does it even make sense? We'll start off alphabetically with Carolina, because I think a lot of people were expecting it to be Carolina. And then they went out. And signed Tony D'Angelo. Again. For $1.675 million. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> Tony D'Angelo is the dumb version of Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby like, yeah, I want point, I want eight point seven because eighty seven. And Tony yeah. D'Angelo is like, ah, oh, January sixth, brother, one point six million, let's go. <laughs> oh god. Um, it just puts Carolina into a really weird spot, though. They have less than a million dollars in cap space right now. As far as I'm aware, they don't have an obvious LTIR candidate. And it would certainly require the Sharks to take on, I mean, at least two roster players from Carolina to make up the difference in salary. And you would think the obvious would be like Brady Shea making five and a quarter. Gross. And then, I mean... I don't, I don't even know who else you could do in terms of that trade. I feel like Carolina has Cole kind of Kinyemi. priced themselves out of that. They have. They uh, have at this point. Yeah, Cock and Yemi, that's fair. He's making a shitload. But to that point, if it were to be like, okay, you got to take on Shea and Cock and Yemi to make this deal make sense cap-wise, how many firsts are Carolina giving up to make up that difference of we're going to bail you out cap-wise like this? How many prospects are you having to give up to then make that worth it to the Sharks if those two near cap whales at this point are kind of the focal point of the trade because you went out and signed Dmitry Orloff to almost $7.8 I don't see how Carolina is possibly in this unless they totally leverage the farm of draft capital and whatever notable prospects they have left and I don't think they have that a grade prospect like they, they have don't. guys like Ryan Suzuki Noel Gundler Jamison Reese for forwards uh, defensively someone like Anthony Honka like I don't see it possibly how it could be Carolina at this stage no especially I, I, I think I think them grabbing D'Angelo tips their hand they got discount Eric Carlson in Basically, so many ways yeah. like especially yeah. morally Discount worse, Eric Carlson, especially too. Let's not forget that. Like, right, he's great in the ozone, a liability elsewhere. Um, so I think I think that I think they're out. I don't think there's any possible way Carolina's a landing spot for him. The Pittsburgh Penguins, I would who love this. Are currently over the cap by about two point three million dollars. They have all of their first and thirds through the next three years, with the exception of this upcoming year's third-round pick. Again, you'd be looking at having to move certain contracts to make it happen. They do have some high-value deals. I mean, they just signed Ryan Graves to four and a half, but Marcus Pedersen makes four. Jeff Petrie makes six and a quarter. Um, They just picked up Riley Smith, but Mikhail Granlund makes five million. Brian Rust... Makes a little bit over $5 million in a sign for five years. Um, again, very similar situation to Carolina where it's you got to take on these contracts back. So to make up for that, here's the prospects and the picks. And in terms of the prospects for the Penguins, I mean, I don't think you can consider like P.O. Joseph at 24 or Ty Smith prospects anymore no, at, at 23. Dude, his name starts with a P. He's pretty good. Um, Sam Poulin? No. No. I mean, he's 22. Uh, who else do they have? Like Lucas Sveshkovsky's out there as a somewhat familiar name. I mean, again, as you would expect, 
Were you thinking of Valerie Puistinen because he's a Finn? No. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking up the name now, but... Yeah, it's like they have some prospects and picks, but there's not that here's the guy. Like, it would be another New Jersey trade where you don't get the guy as the prospect, but you get a group of mm -hmm. prospects and picks and, again, the roster players to take up a few spots. I would see Pittsburgh being more likely to do this than Carolina at this stage, even though they do have very valuable uh, in terms of cap hits. I want at least two side. of their firsts unprotected, and then we'll take back some fucking cap ears. And then there's that one prospect I want them to throw in, and I cannot fucking find his name for the life of me. And I just saw it on Twitter the other day. I will allow you to keep looking. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm, it's not coming to me, so I don't care anymore. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. The... Uh, that's that's Unless, what I want, especially if they fail, because I, I want I want the lottery pick if that happens. That's fair. I want the stonks. Give them the stonks and let's see if the Sharks can find more uh, more steals in the draft as they have for so many years. The Seattle Kraken, who shockingly have less than a million dollars worth of cap space right now. Um, again, that can easily hole. change. Uh, based on call-ups or send-downs. Uh, but for the Kraken, I mean, again, that little cap space, you would have to think, like, cool, here's Alex Wenberg and Justin Schultz. So you have to make up the value in terms of picks, which they do have all of their picks. And that would be a first-round pick and Shane Wright. Come on yeah. down. You're now a <laughs> shark. You, I, don't, I, don't, I don't trade with Seattle unless Shane Wright's coming back. I don't blame you. I don't think that'll <laughs> happen in a million years, but I don't blame you. I don't give you. a fuck, dude. You're getting Norris winning Eric Carlson, and we're going to retain salary on him. Give I don't me, see how Shane. Seattle's a fit. I don't. I feel like that's kind of their baby. I don't care if they're not a fit. Give me your shit. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you I could argue Carlson see. wasn't a fit with the Sharks, man. We already had birds. We did it anyway. Fair. I just don't see how – it just feels like it would be very Vegas. Like, oh, here's a big name that's available. Well, let's inquire. Um, because, I mean, yeah, they do have prospects to give up. But like you said, they do have that A-tier prospect and former fourth overall pick, Shane Wright. But I, I don't know, like optics. I don't know if those are the optics that you want to give of, well, we made the playoffs once, so we're going to trade Shane Wright. This is the new Eric way. Carlson. Hey, but Vegas did right. it, and it worked. It's a copycat league, man. Vegas right. literally did. All right, they didn't have a Shane Wright type, but they did have a Suzuki, mm. and he's really fucking good. Captain of the Habs, Nick Suzuki. Yeah. Yeah. I do think Seattle's more likely than Carolina. I still, in terms of the three teams we've talked about so far, I still can't help but think out of those four, it would be Pittsburgh. Because like you said, oh. Kyle Dubas... Newly in there. You know, like Kyle Dubas, if you go to Pittsburgh Kobe and win a cup, Kobe Bryant, Kyle Dubas, Kyle Dubas, <laughs> if you win a Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh before Crosby, Malk, and Latang retire, and Toronto still doesn't win anything, you're a legend. You're a, you're a fucking legend. Like you will have a statue, a 500-foot-tall statue built in Toronto of you pissing upon the city 
<laughs> if you pull that off, like it's just a fact. Just fucking glasses on. A mask. <laughs> Sitting there with that shit-eating grin on his face, just pissing. Oh, Make it a fountain, like what, like what LA should have done with the Dustin Brown thing of him squirting the water bottle out the wrong way. <laughs> the wrong way. God, like, dude, how do you miss an opportunity like that? I can't think of that without the meme caption of "I can count to potato." I know, I know. Yeah, such an old meme too, but it's a classic. The fourth team was Toronto. <laughs> Who currently sit $12.3 million above the cap, technically $6.7 million over because of LTIR candidates, which would be Jake Muzzin uh, going back to LTIR. I, I can get down with them, but how? Yeah, that's their first thing. How? Uh, you have to trade us a big ass contract. Now is the time we get Tavares. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, again, you have they have to somehow free up cap space for us today get on maybe we could weaponize the cap space we have in LTIR some people um but if we're doing that you better make it worth our time especially if we're retaining so starts with Matthew Nice right and i mean you Leafs like, fans don't give up any they uh, that's the thing about like leafs and leafs fans like they they want a player for nothing but no. scraps because they don't want to give up these amazing young prospects, but it's if you seriously want Eric Carlson, it's costing you Matthew Nice. Like you have nothing else. I will say, in defense of Leafs fans, yes, there are some dumb ones out there like that. Every fan base has one, but the Leafs fan base is so large that just by the pure numbers of it, you have more idiots in your fan base that do propose trades like that of uh we'll give you Joseph Wall for Shesterkin. Oh, uh, think about Shostakin. He's he's Russian, and Russian goalies fall. And it's like, but here's my blog. Um, in terms of the cap, they have to get rid of Matt Murray, but they would still have two million dollars in overage. So then you're looking at, hmm, why the fuck did you sign John Klingberg to almost four point two million? The second I look at that, bam, there's no way you're getting Eric Carlson. Yeah, there isn't. There's like, no that's, way. That's the disqualify right there. Just like D'Angelo is for Carolina. Yeah, essentially. And it's, just, it's one of those things. You don't trade for an Eric Carlson. It's like, based on who you've brought in, it's like, okay, cool, Matt Murray and William Nylander or TJ Brody. And trading TJ Brody would be the dumbest thing you could fucking do. He's the best defensive defenseman on your team, whereas your highest paid defenseman, Morgan Riley, is great offensively, but he can't play defense worth the shit half the time. He did step up a little bit in the playoffs, but yeah. again, different type of setup. I, I do not see how Carolina or Toronto make it work at this point without it being a video no. game trade. And video game trades happen so damn infrequently that it just feels like a waste of time to think, even bother speculating. Yeah, I think when he talked to Toronto, it was before they signed Klingberg. Like, mm. I think that was, you know, he was just probably some things lost in translation. The, on in that interview and or just you know not mentioning like oh yeah here are the teams i've talked to there's no timeline when he fucking talked to them necessarily so right you know they could have been right. exploring that and then yeah they're like all right clinton is easier for that type of player so it's just one of those things now where it's like oh my god it's almost august and we're still talking about how eric carlson wasn't traded. it's so yeah. so frustrating but that was I wish the word shut the fuck up though and that is one thing I'd like him to stop talking about how he wants to go somewhere else and win. 
Yeah, because the longer it goes on without a trade, it's like, okay, what if you end up back here? Yeah. And then what yeah, if like, you're not as good? And then all of a sudden, any mm-hmm. talks about trades, and then you're stuck here, buddy. And it's like, oh, cool. Yeah. We we know you don't want to be here. Fun. Not only that, he's situation. May, maybe tanking his fucking value too by saying he wants out. But that's the thing. Like, hey, man, you signed 11.5 million. That's a hard contract to fucking move. Yeah. Essentially. So hopefully, the next time we get together for a a, a show here, Lol. Uh, we get to talk. <laughs> get to talk it's- about. The Bruins being in a better spot and Eric Carlson being traded for Shane Wright. Hey, you can have Eric Carlson. There you go. Just give us uh, Lindholm. And we'll play him as our top center. Yeah, play him as a center. It's not that hard to learn how to take faceoffs. Yeah, you know, we just... The Bruins People don't just work lost their entire the guy. career on it. <laughs> the Bruins just lost the guy who multiple times has finished with the highest faceoff winning percentage in an NHL season. Eric Carlson, it's time for him to play forward. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> Not even on the wing. Play him at center. It's Billy Bean He's... in Scott Hatterberg's house. <laughs> You're not a catcher anymore. <laughs> Don Sweeney's money puck. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> the good news is we want <laughs> just Eric Carlson. Yeah, well, what about McAvoy? Yeah, the good news is we want you at center. <laughs> <laughs> With that. We will look to wind things down. Again, we thank all of you who still, uh, of course, watch and support us here. You know, again, it's summertime. There's often not as much to talk about. And, you know, in terms of this podcast, again, I said it off the top. I don't know what the hell this is anymore. It's the idea of, hey, yeah, we talk about hockey. But we also talked about what fucking fast food mascot we'd fuck earlier on. Is Colonel Sanders even a mascot? That's just a dude. It's not even a mascot. It's just a man. No, he's a mascot. Can't fool me. Oh, God. He died four, 40 years ago. Yeah, put Wendy in that fucking contest. We know what's going on. The mascot or actual Wendy? <laughs> Wendy Thomas. Wendy, Wendy Peppercorn. 61-year-old Wendy Thomas. Wood. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show. Uh, Sin, what do you have going on? You mentioned probably starting a new franchise mode soon. Yeah, I'm going to Google some pictures. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll for be starting a Wendy mode. Thomas not safe for work into a Google search yeah. bar. New franchise mode coming out Wednesday, tomorrow, which is tomorrow. I don't know when this episode's coming out, but it might already be out. Yeah, no, we'll have the podcast up in time. So yeah, take a look. Wednesday, July the twenty sixth. Any 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 hints of who? Have you announced who it's going to be? What's it going to be? No, I haven't announced who it's going to be or what it's going to be. It's a surprise. Cool. I was going to say tell the people here, but it's fine. You got to go to Sin's channel, Sin for the Win Productions, Sin FTW Productions, on the YouTube side of things. For myself, YouTube wise, uh. I am backloaded on franchise modes. We're still uploading the Leaf series. I have the the Greenville Good Dudes series that still has to come out, and I've started a new franchise mode on Twitch with the Nashville Predators. That's a a fucking circus. Uh, It's a rule-heavy series like I had done with Carolina in the past. On top of that, chat has been able to use their channel points to throw extra wrenches into the uh, situation. 
Oh, that's cool. Um, if I win a championship in this series, I think it'll be my greatest accomplishment or my flukiest win ever in a franchise. <laughs> so we're having a lot of fun with it. Um, but with that, we'll see you all next week, everybody. Manscaped.com, the ultimate two-way in grooming. God, they got to they gotta steal that. We'll see you all next week. So it turns out that this podcast isn't quite done yet i have returned here in audio form only although i might put this up in a separate segment on the youtube side of things uh, i have returned 10 minutes or so after sin and i recorded the most recent edition of the podcast where we primarily talked about the retirements of patrice bergeron and what we thought was going to be the biggest news story of the day in the world of hockey and it turns out that it is not because we have learned about the passing of Rocky Wirtz, the owner of the Chicago Blackhawks, who has died at age 70. And make no mistake, this is the biggest news story of the day. And it has reopened a lot of conversations in regards to what is appropriate, according to some, what is appropriate to discuss at this point in time. And we saw this same conversation pop up when Eugene Melnick passed away. The day before Eugene Melnick passed away, if you ask somebody about Eugene, more often than not, the answer would have been terrible sports owner. But the day that he died, no, 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 we can't talk about that. Not for, not for a while, at least. Only the positive. Which, to me, isn't fair to a lot of people. It isn't fair because that wouldn't be telling the full story of someone's life and someone's legacy that they're going to be remembered for. Someone like Eugene Melnick did a lot of good things. He was also a terrible sports owner. Someone like Rocky Wirtz did some really, really positive things that I'm about to talk about, especially in regards to his hockey team. And he did some really shitty things in regards to his hockey team. And it is only fair to talk about that legacy. I can't help but think back to the passing of Kobe Bryant and that whole conversation as to whether or not you could mention anything related to the, as I'll call them, legal issues that he had. Uh, of course, I'm on the side of... Hey, I was bummed out that Kobe Bryant died, but if someone remembers him uh, for that negative of a reason, the man's life was the man's life. For Rocky Wirtz, I do want to talk about the positives, because there were positives. I have seen numerous Hawks fans state that in their minds, Rocky saved the team. And I can't help but agree. He took over for the club in 2007 upon the passing of his father, Bill Wirtz, and nearly immediately brought them to the 21st century, brought them back to the prestige of an original six team, brought them back to championship glory. Three Stanley Cups in his tenure as the owner of this club. None of that can be argued or can be disputed. He was exactly what that franchise needed. And you know, in talking about his father, Bill Wirtz, to explain just how rough of a spot the Hawks were in. His dad still had the opinion that games should not be televised unless they were national broadcasts. Because if you air the game on TV, people might not come to the arena. That was in 2007. So needless to say, Bill Wirtz uh, didn't quite adapt to modern times. Rocky did and saved this franchise in a lot. Of ways, And for that, he will be remembered incredibly fondly, especially in the city of Chicago. 
And I cannot blame Hawks fans for that. However, what a lot of people will remember Rocky for, and you know where I'm going with this, is the Kyle Beach story. Knowing that he was sexually assaulted, uh, I'm not going to name the dickhead because he doesn't deserve it, but knowing that he was sexually assaulted back in 2010, knowing that the Hawks conducted an internal investigation, knowing that multiple executives and coaches, Stan Bowman, Joel Quinville, Al McIsaac, were all aware of what happened, but knowing that they failed Kyle Beach. And knowing, you know, the report at the time states, of course, that Rocky Wirtz was not aware of said allegations, but I would argue the owner of a team, that fault still lies on you. How, as the owner, could you have not known? And if you had people in a position who were supposed to tell you but did not, that is a failure on your part as well. But at that point, you can say, benefit of the doubt, he didn't know. The problem is, he then soiled his legacy to a lot of people, especially in the aftermath of this, and especially on February 2nd, 2022. As a town hall meeting was held... And reporter Mark Lazarus steps up to the microphone. Quote, my question is for Danny, Rocky Wirtz's son, who is now essentially the owner of the team. I know we're looking forward here, but I think we have to look back also. I think much of what happened to Kyle Beach stemmed from the power imbalance between a coach and a player and the powerlessness of a player in that situation. So what are the Blackhawks doing? What have the Blackhawks done? And what will the Blackhawks do to empower a player in a similar situation to make sure that doesn't happen again? Rocky Wirtz interjects. I'm going to answer the question, not Danny. I think the report speaks for itself. The people that were involved are no longer here. We're not looking back at 2010. We're looking forward, and we're not going to talk about 2010. Mark Lazarus, I'm not talking about 2010. Rocky Wirtz, I know, I'm not either. We're not going to talk about what happened. We're moving forward. That's my answer. Now, what's your next question? Danny Wirtz then tries to interject. I can pick that up too. What are we doing to, uh, what, what we are doing today, I think. And then Rocky shuts his son down like a small child. No, that's none of your business. That's none of your business. What we're going to do today is our business. I don't think it's any of your business. Mark Lazarus, how is that not my business? Rocky, because I don't think it's any of your business. You don't work for the company. If someone in the company asks that question, we'll answer it. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're not going to talk about anything that happened. Now we're moving on. What more do I have to say? You want to keep asking the same question, ask the next question, the next question. And Mark Lazarus says, you said enough right there. And he did. Rocky Wirtz had a tremendous opportunity at that town hall meeting to prove that he cared, that the organization cared, that proper care was being taken to make sure that proper amends were made to the extent that they could be, and that something like this could never happen again, you know, especially in the Blackhawks organization. And he didn't do it. He flat out didn't. And that is such a major, major part of his legacy, and it's sad. Because for someone who had such a positive impact on the sport of hockey, by taking over for his father and rebuilding the Hawks into the dynasty that they have been for the past 13, 15 years now, the fact is, you cannot look at his legacy 
without this glaring, glaring negative spot that he himself owns, that he himself established. So like I said, I think we'll talk about this a little bit more later on down the road. Um, you know, it's not a situation, and I, I mentioned this so on Twitter, like I'm not tap dancing on the guy's grave. If you ask me what would the right solution have been or what, what would I have wanted to have seen happen, I would have wanted Rocky to come out and be like, hey, yeah, you know what, I, I screwed up. I did. To have some accountability in the situation. And that way, a day like today... It's just nothing but somber at the idea that, hey, one of the good ones is gone. And that's not the feeling. So I do look forward to, shockingly on Twitter, it hasn't really happened. I look forward, I'm sure someone in the comments, oh, 2013, you're still mad. And again, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the Kyle Beach situation. Like I said, Rocky Wirtz was a phenomenal owner of a sports franchise, but that is not his entire legacy. At the very least, you say Rocky Words was a phenomenal owner of a sports franchise. If there is a period at the end of that sentence instead of a comma, the next sentence is, or at the very least starts with, but here's what else happened.